Hello and welcome to SNC Critical Insights. I'm Vanessa Blackmore, a partner in SNC's corporate and finance practice, and I'm joined by Kirsten Roger, a practice area associate in SNC's UK capital markets practice, and Sam Saunders, an associate who works on sustainable finance and ESG matters across SNC's general practice. We're all based in SNC's London office, and today. We're going to take a look at some recent developments in the regulation of ESG labelled bonds and ESG data and rating services, with a particular focus on UK regulatory statements that have recently come out on these topics. Last year was a record year for issuances of green, social and sustainable bonds, as well as sustainability linked bonds. And for short, we're going to refer to these in this podcast as ESG labelled bonds. As many listeners may know, green, social and sustainable bonds are bonds, the net proceeds of which, or an equivalent amount, are earmarked for specific ESG projects. These are referred to as use of proceeds bonds. In contrast to use of proceeds bonds, sustainability linked bonds have a coupon that is linked to one or more sustainability key performance indicators or KPIs, such as greenhouse gas emissions or workforce diversity. In 2021, ESG labelled bond issuances exceeded $1 trillion globally, up 75% on 2020. In addition, ESG rating services have been increasingly popular with investors Against this backdrop, various regulators and international bodies have been assessing how best to regulate ESG bonds and providers of ESG data and ratings. We'll start today's discussion by considering the recent UK regulatory statements on ESG-labelled bonds and ESG data and rating services. Kirsten, could you provide us some background to the FCA's recent comments on these topics? Thank you, Vanessa. On the 29th of June, the UK Financial Conduct Authority, or the FCA, published a feedback statement and primary market bulletin 41. This was in response to a consultation launched by the FCA in June of last year. The consultation sought views on potential issues associated with ESG label debt instruments and ESG data and rating providers with a view to policy intervention if appropriate. The FCA has analysed issuances of ESG-labelled use of proceeds bonds. An issuer of ESG-labelled bonds typically has a general ESG use of proceeds framework document, which is published on its website and details the anticipated use of proceeds and post-issuance reporting for the ESG-labelled bonds. Having a publicly available framework is a key recommendation of the International Capital Market Association's Green Bond Principles and Social Bond Principles, which are the leading standards for ESG labelled bonds. The framework is generally not included as part of the bond prospectus and therefore does not form part of the legal disclosure documentation used for the bond offering. The FCA found that occasionally the language used in the framework document could be considered more definitive than the description of the ESG use of proceeds in the prospectus. In some circumstances, the prospectus disclosure for the ESG label bonds will clearly state that an issuer is not obliged to use the proceeds in a specific manner, 
even though the framework document implies a stronger commitment. The FCA is concerned that this divergence may lead to investment decisions being based on incomplete or misleading information. Thanks, Kirsten. So how is the FCA actually looking to address its concerns? Well, this is a fairly technical point, but in response, the FCA has reminded issuers that where an ESG use of proceeds framework forms part of a communication that relates to an offer or admission to trading of securities, such as ESG labelled bonds, the framework is likely to be an advertisement for the purposes of the UK's prospectus regime. This regime requires that the information included in an advertisement must not be inaccurate or misleading and should be consistent with the information contained in the prospectus. Information in an advertisement must not contradict the information in the prospectus or be presented in the prospectus in a materially unbalanced way. Advertisements must also be recognisable as such. The upshot of this is that the FCA also considers that more carefully crafted language may be appropriate within ESG use of proceeds frameworks. This is to make clear to investors and other stakeholders which actions the issuer is contractually bound to carry out, in contrast to those actions it aspires to achieve but is not contractually bound to do so. Generally, issuers are not contractually obliged within the terms of a use of proceeds bond to apply the proceeds in any particular manner. The FCA is monitoring activities in this area and looking ahead will consider whether to take further action to better understand the scale of the issue and whether an additional regulatory response is necessary. In the context of the government's ongoing review of the UK's prospectus regime, the FCA may also revisit the case for requiring the central elements of use of proceeds bonds to be set out in the prospectus. Thank you, Kirsten. So my takeaway from this is that, so far as the UK is concerned, use of proceeds frameworks are likely to be subject to enhanced regulatory scrutiny, and issuers will need to ensure consistency between what is disclosed in the prospectus and the framework. Issuers should also be careful to ensure that any material information provided to a potential investor on the framework should also be included in the prospectus given that the framework will inevitably be reviewed by investors, regardless of whether it's included in the prospectus. Issuers and their advisors will also need to consider whether any of the significant disclosures on broader sustainability approaches, targets and goals, usually provided in use of proceeds frameworks, could be material to investors, so that they should now also be included in the prospectus. This is a very live question for many of our issuer clients. Sam, could you tell us a little bit about what other regulators are doing in this area? Sure. Other regulators are also looking at consistency of ESG disclosures across documents. So, for example, in the U.S., the SEC published late last year a sample comment letter to SEC registrants asking them to consider whether climate-related disclosures included in their corporate social responsibility reports should also be included in their SEC filings or otherwise to explain why those disclosures are not material to investors. And the SEC also recently initiated enforcement action against Ballet for alleged misstatements on ESG matters made in their sustainability reports and investor presentations, which were not incorporated into their prospectus documentation. You know, one interesting thing about the FCA's stance is that it has expressly encouraged issuers and advisors to have regard to industry standards when preparing 
documentation for use of proceeds debt. The FCA specifically referenced the ICMA green bond principles, social bond principles, and sustainability bond guidelines. And the FCA said that it does not intend to develop its own compulsory standard for ESG labeled debt at this time. That's a bit different from what some other jurisdictions are doing. Some have issued binding ESG bond rules, including in China and India for certain issuers. And others, such as Brazil, have issued frameworks and voluntary guidelines. Most notably, I would say the EU is currently working on a green bond standard of its own. The EU Commission published a proposal in June 2021, which continues to be considered by the European Parliament and the European Council. At this stage, it is unclear whether the EU's green bond standard will be mandatory or parts of it mandatory for issuers in the EU market or whether it will be voluntary. I would note that the FCA said that it might reassess the case for developing a standard for use of proceed bonds as part of the ongoing review of the UK's prospectus regime and the development of the UK's own green taxonomy. So the UK approach could change in the future. Thanks, Sam. Another area of focus for the FCA is the use of second party opinion provision and third party verification in use of proceeds and sustainability linked bond issuances. And to put this into context, external assurance usually assesses the post issuance allocation of proceeds in the case of the use of proceeds bond and the achievement of KPIs for a sustainability linked bond. The FCA identified two potential issues. First, a potential conflict of interest between the second party opinion provider or third party verifier and the investors, given that the issuer pays them. Secondly, the potential complexity in analysing and assuring performance against sustainability performance targets. Kirsten, can you please talk to us a bit about what the FCA is proposing here to address these concerns? Thanks, Vanessa, of course. To address these concerns, the FCA has encouraged issuers to consider relevant industry standards when selecting external assurers. The FCA highlights the ICMA's guidelines for green, social, sustainability and sustainability linked bonds external reviews. The FCA also encourages assurance providers to consider voluntarily applying these standards and to undertake engagements in line with the ISAE 3000 standard for assurance over non-financial information alongside the Financial Reporting Council's ethical standard. The FCA currently does not have power to regulate assurance providers. However, it has not ruled out further considering with the UK government the case for bringing them within its regulatory perimeter in the future. In our experience, issuers typically use one of a small handful of well-established second-party opinion providers and typically use their auditor to provide post-issuance verification. As regulatory scrutiny increases on assurance providers, issuers need to be mindful of the qualifications of who they are engaging and ensure appropriate risk factor disclosure on the potential for conflicts and what assurance standards are being applied, if any. Thanks, Kirsten. So moving away from ESG bonds, let's now turn to another significant finding in the FCA's feedback statement. Presently, parties who provide ESG data or rating services to investors, for example, are unregulated. But 
In its 2021 roadmap for sustainable investing, the UK government said it was considering the case for regulation. And now the FCA has come out in support of regulation. Kirsten, can you give us some thoughts on what this development means? Thanks, Vanessa. The first thing to note is that any regulatory regime for data or rating providers would require the UK government to extend the FCA's regulatory perimeter through new legislation or regulation, and that would be subject to public consultation. What this means is that the timeframe for implementation will be uncertain, and there is likely to be a considerable lead time. Although the FCA has not set out detailed proposals for a future regulatory regime at this stage, it has indicated that the regime would not apply to all ESG data and rating providers. The FCA expects to take into account factors such as the provider's size, the degree of judgment and value add in its service provision, and the nature and degree of uses of its services in the market. In addition, if the FCA's regulatory perimeter is extended to cover regulation of data or rating providers, the FCA would work with the UK government and industry to establish a voluntary code of conduct for ESG data and rating providers. The code would address matters such as transparency, governance and conflicts of interest. Given the likely lead time before the full regulatory regime could enter into force, the FCA has indicated that it would set up the code of conduct in the interim. The FCA has had regard to recent work undertaken in this area by the International Organization of Securities Commissions, also known as IOSCO, of which all of the major securities regulators are a member, and sees value in coordinating, as far as possible, with other jurisdictions on the design of any regulatory approach or code of conduct. Thanks, Kirsten. So it sounds as if it's going to be important to bear in mind the global context when it comes to the question of data or rating providers. And I think other regulators have been acting in this area too, haven't they, Sam? Yes, that's right. In June, the EU's European Securities and Markets Authority published the results of its consultation on ESG rating providers. And the European Commission is also carrying out its own consultation on the topic with a view to evaluating whether a policy initiative is needed, which could be proposed in early 2023. I'm also aware that securities regulators in India and Japan have also recently consulted on whether and how to regulate ESG data and ratings providers. Thanks, Sam. So whilst the FCA's feedback statement and primary market bulletin 41 have provided some clarity on the topics we've discussed today, it sounds like there's going to be more to watch for in the coming months and years, both in the UK and further afield. Sam, before we sign off, do you have any final words on other ESG developments globally? Well, there's a lot to talk about. I think I'll, I'll pick two major items briefly on the topic of ESG disclosures, both of which we have more information available on SNC's ESG practice webpage. So the first one is in March, as many listeners will be aware, the SEC proposed climate-related disclosure rules that would require US registered companies to collect and report detailed climate-related information at times regardless of its materiality, including greenhouse gas emissions and new climate-related financial metrics in companies' audited financial statements. If adopted, the rules would require US-listed foreign companies to go beyond their home jurisdiction's requirements and prepare and disclose additional climate-related information to satisfy their US reporting requirements. 
the rules would also be indirectly applicable to companies not listed in the U.S., but who do business with U.S. registered companies. Since U.S. registered companies will have certain climate reporting obligations in respect of their value chains, their equity investees, and any newly acquired companies. Given the potential for U.S. securities law liability and class actions, the rules would generally raise the stakes significantly on climate disclosures. The other development I would highlight is in June, EU leaders reached a political agreement on a revised Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, or CSRD, that would introduce detailed sustainability reporting requirements for all large EU companies and companies with securities listed on a regulated EU market, which includes non-wholesale debt and depository receipts. Non-EU companies would also be required to report on a consolidated basis if they generate more than 150 million euros of annual net turnover in the EU and have at least one large or listed EU subsidiary or branch. The scope of reporting would significantly exceed that of any other ESG reporting obligations, including the UK's climate disclosures and the SEC's proposed climate rules. The EU disclosure requirements would cover numerous environmental, social, and human rights and governance factors and would require attestation. A key takeaway from these other developments is that international businesses are likely to find themselves facing multiple complex ESG reporting requirements with the potential for increased regulatory scrutiny and liability for misstatements. Thanks, Sam. That's really interesting. And obviously, we've got a lot to watch out for. And thank you to our audience for listening to SNC Critical Insights. For more information about our practice and ESG developments globally, please visit us on the web at www.solcrom.com.